podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the weekender and it is brought to you by Minamino 2020. We're not messing about. We've got Gareth <laughs> Roberts, we've got Steve Graves and we've got James Pierce, Lady Tron and Cop Mania to come, amongst other things. James Pierce, you're the man in the know. Minamino 2020, do not <laughs> dash my hopes. We're signing them, aren't we? <laughs> Done deal, I'm hearing. Great yeah, news. Yeah. yeah. That's all we needed to know. Uh, excellent stuff. That's been the weekend of this week. We'll all get off. Uh, go and have a pint and celebrate that. Uh, Steve Graves, he was different class. He was great. I mean, I really enjoyed, insofar as you can enjoy watching that, um, I enjoyed watching him play. I thought Huang played really well. Yeah. Salzburg as a whole were, were, were a joy to watch. I think they, they, were, they were loads of fun. They were slightly freed by circumstances once they were three 0 down because you may as well have a go, I suppose. Um, but they they never stopped coming, and it was it, it was it was really really fun to watch. I'd, I'd love to see um, Minamino play in in like like a Brendan Rodgers side or something. It'd just be just be amazing just to see him um, play at you know at, the, at this kind of level. But you know he could be playing at knockout Champions League level, so I'm sure he'll enjoy himself doing that as well. It's funny that you say that as well, you know, because I was literally on a Leicester City forum this afternoon, and they were all saying he'd be perfect for us. Yeah, I. I, I I hope he's getting watched by our by our staff. So you're not the only one to think that's the, the getting some competition for him. But it's James, 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 it's all done. It's signed, sealed. Uh, he's gonna the, the chat is what numbers he's gonna take, and we'll get that sorted out. If Milner retires, he's gonna take seven. That's the way in which it's gonna work. Uh, Gareth, it was just a great game to be honest with you. And they don't shake hands at nil nil. And actually, if anything, you know, I'm intrigued. I'd like to know what some Premier League you were on Leicester Leicester forums there. I'd like to know what some Premier League teams think because it does show a little bit of value of having a go at Liverpool. Yeah. And I think that you know, and I think the same thing about Man City as well. Don't get me wrong. I think trying to find a way to actually properly have a go and you know what it's just so much more fun they could have just come packed defence etc etc they yeah. didn't do that it was great I mean it's just so much of football I think it is about being safe and, and when you try and break out of that box it, it shows a set of balls and I think that's what you know Steve says they were let off the leash a little bit by you know that, that first 35 minutes when Liverpool blew them away but but even so I mean even then you could sort of do damage limitation or whatever but, but they have a go they play some nice stuff and you know that, that like, like I say that takes balls and I think loads of football doesn't involve too much balls it's, it, it's people going okay well write this one off and move on and we talked about it on here about how you know when when Man United were brilliant, unfortunately for all those years, one of the things that was so annoying about sitting down as a Liverpool fan and watching it was people didn't have a go. They were just like, oh, we're going to Old Trafford, we've got absolutely no chance, just sit in, damage limitation, lose one or two nil and everyone will accept that that's fine. Whereas you just used to think, well, if you're accepting that, you're going to get beat, get beat by having a go and who knows what happens and that's what Salzburg did. And I thought, yeah, Wang as well, I thought was really good, um, took his goal well and I actually Googled him I was in the ground and he was rated at four million pound apparently and I thought he's not after this game is he? <laughs> um, and I was and I was the other lad. I mean all of a sudden he's appeared on all, all kinds of lists, isn't he? I think and I think that's another thing by the way, and that you know, you're playing Liverpool, you're playing in Liverpool in a game like that as well. They've been knocking around in the Europa League for years, not being able to get into the Champions League. And so this is that this is absolutely huge for them. You know, the first game yet they blow they blow Genk away six two, but this is this is a different league there's more people watching there's millions watching and those lads I'll know that and the managers probably said that to them I thought you know the manager in the build up to the game was really honest about where they were at and where we were at and what, what they'd try and do but but probably Liverpool were better but they weren't bad you know they weren't bad at it like it's a bit of a sweet spot I think James in terms of a number of things happening but there'll be a lot of talk that Liverpool may be complacent or something like that I think 
when Liverpool got race into a three 0 lead at Anfield in the first half, normally what happens is the opposition are almost just stop hurting us, yeah. and we'll all just get into half time and we'll go from there. And yeah. that doesn't happen because the nature of Salzburg. The other thing is that they all want to be in the shop window. That's the nature of the club. That includes the manager. There's that aspect as well. Then there's the fact that they're actually also quite good. They got to the quarter the semi final of the Europa League a couple of seasons mm. back, and I think all these things happened. And then before Liverpool knew what was going on, they found themselves at three three. Yeah. Um... You know, I've been in Klopp's press conference afterwards. I think he he certainly felt that complacency was part of it. He said, you know, after half an hour, he he, he felt it was almost too easy for Liverpool. That the you know because they, Liverpool were absolutely rampant, weren't they? You know, I remember I was sat next to Cy Hughes and you know three 0 I said to him, you know, if it keeps it, like, this could be seven or eight because you know that Liverpool were getting runners. You know, and you know there were there was overlaps. There was always seemed to be a man free. You were like, you know, this this could be anything, and then you know I, I think it's just human nature, isn't it? I think when you almost you feel as if you've almost done the job, you ease off slightly, and you've got to give Salzburg massive credit because you know they they came absolutely roaring back and you know getting one back before half time gave you know get, was big for them in terms of giving them that that foothold in the in the contest. But I think we just saw. They're, they're, they're used to they're used to winning, aren't they? They're, used to scoring goals. They're used to as scoring well. Yeah, I think well, they, they average four goals a game this season, aren't they? And, um, and obviously, it's a big difference from you know from the Austrian Bundesliga to to the Champions League. But um, they were they were absolutely fearless, and you, you've got to give them a, a huge amount of credit. Liverpool undoubtedly, you know, you know, gave them encouragement. I think Klopp's phrase was, you know, we opened the door and they charged straight on through it. Um, but you know, I, 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 there seemed to be a lot of negativity, negativity afterwards about some parts of that. You know, probably the middle half hour of the game from from Liverpool, but I think you've got to temper that by the fact that Salzburg are a very, very good side. It's a game of three thirties, Steve. Uh, it does it breaks itself down very nicely. It's very kind of them to be honest with you. And for that first thirty, Liverpool are absolutely exceptional. The first goal. I thought, what a goal that is. You're not going to see better than that. You then see better than that in no time at all thereafter. Full back to full back is a serious, serious goal. It's just, it's it's absolutely extreme. I love Trent's tweet. You can't be setting them up when he's scoring, when he's scoring them, can he, or something today. Um, it was, was, um, was really nice. And you can see that relationship with them sort of celebrating together, that, that sort of bond that's there together for the, the two full backs, a sort of healthy competition between the two of them. The, the quality of the quality of the goals. I mean, I think I think all three, even the third. You know, it ends up. You know, it's it's poor goalkeeping, really, and it's a bit scruffy how it ends up. But the move, the you know, the move along the way, and and Mane's ball in in is is sort of measured perfectly. It, Liverpool just it, everything just ran like clockwork. It reminded me of it's going back a bit now, but the the Hoffenheim goal that. I think for me it's probably the, the sort of archetypal goal under this manager and, and probably the best goal Liverpool scored under this manager um, that Emre Jam finishes. It, it reminded me of those kind of those kind of moves, which we've not maybe not seen quite as many of. Maybe I'm maybe I'm forgetting a few because I think we've, you know we've we've scored an awful lot of goals um, in recent times, but they've not not been quite that kind of like just when it all runs on rails and it just all looks like it's it's all been. It's sort of PlayStation football, you know. It's just all it's just all mapped out, and, and people seem to have pictures in their heads. And, and Liverpool had that for for a good half hour, really. Which I think, and then when you get there, we talk about complacency. When when can you be complacent if not after doing that? I, I, it's understandable, I think. It's it's sort of perfectly explicable and perfectly reasonable. And I think there's also a factor that Liverpool's first team have got to go again on Saturday, and probably all of them, barring. Gomez would be would expect to start um, would expect to start the game on Saturday, which is no time at all. 
in terms of a turnaround, having played as well on um, on the Saturday, just gone. You've got to think that Liverpool would. I think the manager at half time at three nil wouldn't have been wouldn't have been necessarily saying let's go for six seven, let's really go for the throat because Liverpool resting on the ball would have been a, you know a really nice way to have seen that all out and maybe score one more kind of thing. As it turns out, Salzburg it was like sort of like you're doing like a civil war reenactment or something, and the other fella's got like a real step pulled out a real gun, and you're like, oh come on, <laughs> I was doing my musket drills, and you've yeah you've surprised me here, and Liverpool just didn't really know what what had hit them. I think for. It was weird that it was either side of half time. I suppose I think you, you felt that maybe regrouping. You know, at half time they would have come back out and been able to sort of reassert themselves. And it, it took it took changes ultimately from the manager to to help Liverpool do that. Alongside, I think the belief that when we got to three three, Liverpool were were going to find a way, which I think. I sort of felt I didn't feel like it was really. I didn't feel like at three three, even as it went in. Never mind how we played after that, that, that Liverpool were then going to either lose or draw the game. And I don't know why that was, other than that Liverpool are brilliant. Uh, Gareth, it was no, but I think Steve, there's something else. It was really, really strange in that at 3 2, I was absolutely convinced it was going to go 3 3. And then yeah. as soon as it went 3 3, I was absolutely convinced we we're going to win. And it's really, that's, that's, you know, that's, it shouldn't be that way, but that's actually almost how it plays out. Sal- Salzburg barely have a shot mm. after it goes 3 3. The manager's changes are bedded in by that sort of point, the change of shape. And, you know, fair play to the manager. He's made a really good sub at Sheffield United. He's made another really, really good two subs here. He's he's dug he's dug his players out a little bit, I think. And uh, fair play to Milner as well, I think, especially who came on and just sorted so much out. Yeah, the the sort of the mindset of the substitutes, I think, I think is is worth having a chat about really because you know we're consistently seeing them coming on and contributing, and, and I think you know that's not always the case because it's such a weird role, you know what I mean? To almost come in cold to a match and then be expected to perform and. You know, I I think Origi's fascinating on that score as well, and that you know often he, he he starts and he's not as good when he starts, and yet when he comes on, he he, he, he whatever's said to him or whatever goes on in his own head, he's always it seems to be in a place where he contributes and like. You know, I don't know if you, you, you can all remember it, but his, his first touch last night was absolutely sublime. He's come off, <laughs> yeah. he's come off the bench cold, he, a long boards played played to him, and he's pulled it out the sky, and it's an absolutely wonderful touch. And you're like, you're meant to warm up, with it, aren't you, lad? Your first touch is meant to be really bad. You should, shouldn't shouldn't that be out for a throw in? And and Milner as well, you know, comes on, and it, well, we're used to his attitude being exemplary. We know he leads by example and all the rest of it, but. But yeah, they change it. I mean, I mean and, and it's it's all fair, isn't it? I mean, you know, Klopp doesn't talk about them often, substitutes, and he's maybe not asked many questions about them. Whereas, you know, because of Andy Gray and everything else, it became an issue, didn't it, with Benitez? You know, he always makes a substitute on 65 or whatever it was. And then Benitez, therefore, ends up talking about substitutes, the role of them, how important they are. And then we do as a consequence as fans. Whereas, I think under Klopp, it's not often talked about. But, but lately, as you say, the last two games, it's really made a difference for us. And, and that's fine. It's allowed. It's part of the game. What, one of the things it does, Gareth, and it, the same thing happens against Sheffield United. And I think it's almost... When you talk about a sub, you often go, how the sub get on when he came on? What the substitution, the pair of them do, is suddenly, I would argue, all of Liverpool's front six are all playing in different positions. Two of them are off two of them are new players and everybody else moves everybody else has to move so it just almost resets the game in yeah. that instance and it was a th- it was a 3-3 by the you know it just resets the game and then all of a sudden right you're starting again but I think it, it, what you say there about Origi it isn't just Origi Mane is now suddenly flip sides left to right mm. Salah goes through the middle everybody's got to rethink what they're doing and I think that sometimes sometimes a change is as good as a rest and it helps and that, that's what happened at Sheffield United as well yeah. you know it's it also reached a point in that game where they were fairly set and comfortable and they knew what Liverpool were trying to do 
and then all of a sudden Origi's on the pitch and they're not really sure where everyone is and who's picking up who and, and what have you and next minute Origi's cross comes over and okay it leads to a goal that's been deemed to be fortunate but he still had an impact and the substitution still worked and, and when Alden's arguably where he is because of the change of shape yeah. he would, he'd been on the left hand side if not you know the whole thing is just it, in that, that instance that's what happens yeah and it's clever isn't it it's clever and we're constantly seeing clever things from Liverpool all over the pitch in terms of the management um, you know we talk as well rightly so about Pep Linders and, and his influence and you know he's obviously a really really bright fella around football and, and this is what Liverpool have got to keep doing keep shape shifting because everyone's trying to second guess what they're about and trying to stop them obviously um, and Liverpool just keep on finding ways I think that's the most important thing to take from all this is that these are two games where a lot of people are talking about you know crisis and Liverpool not playing that well and a defeat on the way and all this kind of stuff and yet in both those games there are four or five big chances created in both games and when you let Liverpool have four or five big chances you're going to lose the football match more often than not um, James the quite right there from Gareth and one of the big two of the big chances falls to Salah and it's worth saying he, you know you can say again I don't I didn't feel he was playing as well. I don't think he's played, he played as well this season as at times he was playing last season, uh, towards certainly in the second half of the season in terms of all-around contribution. But it's two goals. And, you know, goals pay the rent. It's, it's a cliche for a reason. Goals pay the rent. He delivers two. And you can't ask any more of him. And if, he, if, you, if you're contributing like that whilst playing badly, well, who cares? Yeah, and I think them those those two goals will do him the world of good. Because I think, what has it been, probably four or five games without without a goal and you know he had he had he has been struggling a little bit by you know the the kind of blistering high standards that we've become accustomed to during his time at Liverpool so yeah it was a strange one you know I don't think even last night was his you know he wasn't anywhere near like his sparkling best in terms of a lot of things he did during the game but um yeah you know two two clinical finishes you know especially <coughs> the second one the anticipation and the uh, you know the intelligence of the nod down from Firmino um, and yeah, it's uh, it's not a bad position to be in, is it? Coming away thinking you can still do an awful lot better. Yet you've uh, you've just hit a, a match-winning double to to get Liverpool's European defence back up and up and running again. Do you think there's James with him? He, he wants to. I, th- I think I think that the strange Salah thing is that I think he sets himself these standards and he always wants to feel as though he's contributing so that's yeah. what I think the goals will do in the world of good is that he, he gets to feel like he's won that game for Liverpool because he has he scores the third and fourth goals in a 4-3 victory he can come away from that and feel like yeah I can I can say those three points are my three points and I think that builds positively for him in the same way that I think that when he doesn't feel like he contributes it actually has net, negative it's detrimental to him yeah definitely. I think he, he, you can see it from his body language on the pitch he beats himself up doesn't he when, when things aren't falling for him and I think you know he is you know, a, a big critic of him himself, and I think you know when when things aren't happening, I think for him as he likes, you know, I think he over complicates things and overthinks it as well. Where you know he's at, he's at his absolute best when he's playing off the cuff and and not not overthinking things. So, yeah, hopefully that'll get that'll get him back up and running again because um, you know Liverpool have obviously had this fantastic start to the season. Yet, you know, if you were looking at someone in that front three who, who hasn't quite clicked in terms of knowing exactly what he's capable of you know Salah would be the one and that kind of whets the appetite for for where he could take Liverpool when it does start happening for him um what they do really well Steve is partially through the substitutions but also this is a side that is seeing games out really really well Salzburg go 3-3 and they only have one more shot which is just something from the edge of the area they stop cutting Liverpool open they don't actually have an attempt for the last 10 minutes when they're 4-3 down they can't get near Liverpool's goal and I think that that's 
speaks volumes of this size. It speaks volumes of what it's about now that, you know, they've seen, if you exclude MK Dons, they've seen out results against mm. Chelsea, uh, against Sheffield United, and now against Salzburg when it would have been easy not to. Across relatively long periods of time as well, Not we're not talking about scoring the winner on 85 and, and clinging on with a with a centre-back goal and, you know, getting thrown on and even though he has done that, but not 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 just that, being able to do that sort of backs-to-the-wall thing, literally having, having to play through a period in the game where... You are you are a goal away from from dropping two points, uh, which is you know in in the league is is feels almost we think we've probably built it up too much. It almost feels like it's it's something we can't afford to do at any point, and at some point we're probably going to have to. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I refuse to accept it in on one level, but I suppose I suppose on others you have to. Um, Liverpool playing managing situations has been so impressive, which is which is weird to say when. We have literally thrown away three, you know, surrendered a three-goal lead last night. But then to, to sort of bounce back again in that sort of third period of the game and and reassert control and authority, and, and I suppose in a completely different way to the first half, the first thirty as well. The first thirty was sort of breathtaking break net football, and then the, the second, the, the third thirty was was a much more controlled and, and um, complete sort of performance from from other parts of the, the pitch as well. So. Um, yeah, it was it was interesting. There, there, there was there was some individual performances. I think that made it harder for Liverpool to sort. Of, I think I think Fabinho's performance, having been been really strong early, tailed off very quickly. And I think that that when when he you know he's increasingly important. And that's it's it's a real compliment to him that this is the thing that you notice that when he when he goes off the boil a little bit, Liverpool starts to suffer a little bit. And I think also Van Dijk's Van Dijk on the ball was had a strange game for me. He was. He was Forcing some passes that just weren't there, and and, and playing balls that, that sometimes they look like good passes, but they hit so hard they're really hard to do much with. Even if you are of the quality of the players he's playing it to, um, and obviously Gomez had you know had some of his struggles as well. I think you know Henderson starts well and then and then has a really poor really poor spell in the game. So it was weird, and, and it, there's no there's no logic to this. Is there's no sort of there's nothing to explain why. 10 outfield players should all suddenly contract some some sort of level of complacency perhaps perhaps excluding Robertson or some you know some something that means that they all can't perform um, but the fact that they then can turn that round with with a couple of changes is is all credit to to the manager and to those players and to the to the to the nature of those players and you know Milner and Anarigi in different ways I think just showed leadership and and calm and and, and quality um, Gareth, the group suddenly sort of feels as though it's come our way. Uh, Napoli drop points. Napoli Salzburg will be a serious game of football. I wouldn't, I couldn't be bothered getting that two games <laughs> on the bounce in the Champions League group stages no. when you've just dropped points at Genk. Um, I mean, we could just do with the win the next three because I can't be bothered going to Salzburg needing something either. I mm. think it's it's opened up now for Liverpool, hasn't it? Yeah, and it, and it's there, and it, it and you expect Liverpool to qualify from it. I mean, even Napoli, I, th- I think. When they, you know, when when we've played them every other time, it seems to be that you know when they come to to be a just a, a completely different type, you know, type of challenge, and, and one that Liverpool you think will pass quite easily. So, yeah, expect Liverpool to to qualify from the group and, and get it done. Now we've had our we've had our blip, if you like. I, I think, you know, the, on the complacency thing about last night, it, I thought it was the whole thing from start to finish, including the fans and including the, how it felt. I thought it was weird. I thought it was like nobody sort of 
really thought Salzburg were any good. Um, and maybe we got a little bit, we all got a little bit wrong there because I, 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 I didn't feel any sort of kind of, oh yeah, great European football's back at Anfield. There was, there was sort of not really that. There was a lot of sort of, a mere sort of on duty as a Liverpool fan. I'm coming to this game. You know, I mentioned the James before, certainly where I was, I sit at Anfield. There's a lot of sort of regular faces missing again. And, and that obviously changes things a little bit. There was a lot of, a lot of moaning by me, I've got to be honest, and, and people really getting stuck into Salah, which I was surprised by, not least because he, he scores two goals. Yeah. Um, it, it counts, doesn't it, the scoring goals thing? <laughs> I don't know, I just wonder whether there's, there's a section of us or there's a part of us that, you know, are getting a little bit spoiled by following a really good football team week in, week out, and, you know, the, the smallest digression from an absolute perfect performance, and they're like, oh, well, this is not what I'm used to, and it's like, well, you know, actually it's a positive that Liverpool win in these circumstances. It's a positive that they won in the circumstances at Sheffield United as well. And, you know, you expect them to kick into gear and, and play much better football at some point. But, you know, loads of football matches under every era of Liverpool Football Club have been crap. You know, you, you just... You, we all remember certain teams and we romanticise them and we remember the good times and the great goals. But we forget about, what you know, when you were sitting in, in boring games, nil-nils, one-nils, where, you know, 70 or 80% of the game was dull and shit and, and all the rest of it. And I don't know, I, I thought it was weird, it was a little bit disappointing for me in that, you know... I. In an ideal world, I think we should all be rabid and feral every single game because <laughs> uh, we're watching an absolutely brilliant side and it's our best chance of winning a league title in a lifetime. It, whether it's City or not, we're five points clear already and there's hardly anyone you can see in that league that really should be laying a glove on Liverpool. So our support can make a difference and yet here we are sort of... Mm. Salah's missed another one, fucking hell. I think that's part of it, the, the league thing is... It, it felt going to the game at least like it, it wasn't quite real it didn't really I don't know because everything's so heightened in the league now that, that I suppose as well because you know Liverpool could have conceivably lost that game and still qualified mm. and would still probably be be quite well favoured to qualify it, it's a weird, weird given given the result in the, in the other game as well I don't know it, 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 it felt a little bit like an, a slightly unreal it, it kind of no one knows what a good result really looks like in that game, um, other than winning. Winning, winning is good, yeah. um, and no one knows exactly what to expect. You're right. I mean, Salzburg, if they are say Atletico Madrid or you know a name, a famous name, and, and play that way, and they reminded me a bit of Ajax last season. In that, while Ajax have got the famous name, that no one really sort of took them very seriously until they mm. had to take them very seriously. And I think I'd love to see them get Real Madrid or someone in the um, in the next in the in the knockout phases, and, and I think that would be. I think that would be an interesting game to watch because um, I think they'll, they'll surprise people, and I, I think I think they'll qualify. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned at the top about you know Salzburg two seasons ago were in the the semi finals yeah. of the Europa League, yeah. but also as well they've got a lot a long and good track record of, of good performances away from home. I think I think it's something like in the last fourteen only Schalke had beaten them, and even then it was three one. You know, so they'd lay the glove on Schalke if you like. And okay, Europa League is a bit of a step down, but it's not completely no mark either. No. So the you know you've got a club and a group of fans and a group of players who are used to competing in Europe, and you could see a little well, bit of that. That, that. James, just to sort of finish it off, one of the things you can see is they used to scoring goals, and that you know that was for me. That was all. You don't. You can say what you want about the quality of the opposition and all that sort of stuff, but what that actually means is, in a sense, if you've got 
good players. It's almost like some of those games become glorified training sessions where people are working on patterns of play and all that sort of stuff. And that's what you could see from them. You know, we started off joking, uh, you know, joking about uh, Minamino. But the fact of the matter is he's playing three or four blind passes and moves. He knows where his teammates are. They know where they should be. I thought, you know, real, you know, and I think that maybe, just maybe, if people could have watched the match in advance, they might have enjoyed the match more when they watched it because they'd have gone, you know what, this is a real team. This, these are probably better than Manchester United. They beat Manchester United. Oh yeah, I don't, yeah, out of shadow of a doubt. I think on on form at the moment, but yeah, just picking up on what the guy said. I think, I think a lot of people did go along thinking it would be easy, and then I think probably the way that the game starts almost reaffirms what people thought. Ah, you know, that's you know, that's why we went really up for it tonight because it is going to be an absolute walk in the park. And I don't think you know there was an underappreciation of just how good good Salzburg are, and you know, let's not forget you know Haaland do. He'd been scoring goals for fun, you know. Been ill the last couple of couple of weeks. You know, he, you know, they were limited into. You know, decided he could only come on after an hour. Um, you know, makes a big impact as well. They've, you know, they've they've got some really really good good players there. And you know, I think a couple of myths have been kind of dispelled in this group already. I think when the draw was made, it was kind of like, well, it's Liverpool and Napoli. Just a question of who finishes top. I don't think that's the case anymore. And then also probably after match day one, it was well, Genk are the whipping boys that everyone. One's going to stick six or seven past, and kind of a bit maybe disparaging of what Salzburg did to them. And then you look at, you know, them holding uh, Ancelotti's side, and you think, you know, actually, it's 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 going to be a lot closer than than uh, than I think a lot of people think. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if, if Salzburg perform at that level, there's absolutely no reason why they they won't go into the knockout stages with Liverpool. Excellent stuff indeed. Listen, a couple of things to plug uh, here. I just want to talk about mention uh, Dead Pigeon Gallery uh, with Home Baked uh, at Home Baked next Thursday. Loads and loads of art uh, around Home Baked. It's next Thursday night. It's between six and nine. If you can get down, please do so. Uh, I'm going to try and get down to that, I think. Uh, and also, uh, I had an email uh, someone involved in the Merseyside Asbestos Victim Support Group. Uh, it's a long-standing charity assisting people who are terminally ill having work with asbestos. The charity needs funds and they've got an event at Liverpool Football Club on the 2nd of November uh, there's food and drink uh, and an LFC legend appearance and photos with the European Cup uh, amongst the raffle prizes there'll be £100 vouchers afternoon tea at the Racket Club overnight stay at the Hilton all the hits and it says there's a rave at the end which sounds phenomenal they must have got Steven to DJ uh, they really need to sell it uh, so please do if you can get the opportunity if you do are in just nights the 2nd of November at Anfield at the ground uh, get yourself along to that uh, it will be a really really good night and obviously the cause is a very very good cause indeed uh, in a minute me and James Pierce are going to chats about the athletic uh then we've got lady tron and we've got cop mania there's our last fan standing quiz as well that's in this one uh we're partnering up with them uh, and doing quiz stuff and prediction stuff it should be the absolute business uh and then we're going to all have a chat the three of us about leicester city neil atkinson and james pierce to have a chat about the athletic james you've gone over and joined we've announced our partnership this week and i think the thing i want to sort of put in people's minds is that you know you and simon are doing brilliant work around liverpool but all your colleagues really what i've really enjoyed since i signed up going back about two months ago around the week of launch is the sheer the amount that you learn about other teams I mean it really is the, the, the coverage is in depth I think it's terrific about so many sides so much in depth stuff where for instance you're learning things you didn't know about Newcastle about Leicester about Leeds you know there's really really excellent stuff across the board yeah and I think that's that's been one of the, the great things for me so far I think you're right I find myself reading a lot more actually about other clubs now than I did, than I did before when I was yeah. kind of just in the, the Liverpool bubble um, and yeah they've you know the way in which the Athletic have obviously gone about recruiting staff means that they've um, and they've got people pretty much from every patch um, who have been have been tied to it for for many years and you know I think that really that really shines through the fact that 
you know now these all these writers the great ones they've managed to get on board are given the kind of the time and the and the space and the resources to do do loads of fantastic work i think the it's for me it's the space in that it's you know when a do these shows and do the Friday show for subscribers or even just the weekend. Listen, you'd read other, I'd read other people's stuff to get the team news. I yeah. need to find out, you know, who's going to be fit for Leicester at the weekend before we play Leicester. I'll have a little look at this. What I found really interesting is the, is the, the idea that you get real flavors of states of where clubs are, what's going on, what are people up to in depth stuff that isn't just, you know, you you I'm Googling, I'm sat on this, I'm on this, I'm on the, I'm on this Leicester website to find this out. I'm actually able to read two, three, four pieces and you get the evolution of these sides over a period your time I think that's fantastic it really tells you the story yeah and I, and I and I think you can you can really see the the value of those reporters kind of maybe not no longer being on that kind of almost hamster wheel like operation that that the kind of you know I was used to in my in my old job where you did, maybe didn't get the chance that often to take a step back and 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 to really focus on you know the big big issues big topics that that, that fans are talking about because of the the sheer demands to produce content kind of day in day out five or six things a a day so I think you can you can definitely see the you know the the real value in you know a having people on board that are, you know have got the expertise and the contacts but also the fact that they you know are now in a position where they're you know they're able to to go away and and, and produce really good work without you know under being under kind of massive time constraints there's what's the whatsapp group like he's all giving each other stick <laughs> it's uh it's, i think i think it's probably a bit too early for that i think it's, it's all very polite actually. yeah wait till the christmas do <laughs> all on photocopies etc etc uh just last last little thing on it really we partnered and we're really pleased to have done so and you know it, it is also it's that sort of wired firstly there's the other sports that get covered as well but also the european flavor as well that's something we're looking forward to having i know that for instance i think someone's literally spoken today to Rafa honigstein and again that sort of getting the, the broader picture i think will matter uh, for something like this and it it means that for instance you've got the resource of having someone you can speak to if you need a bit of background on something and all the way through whether it's a different team in the uk but also right the way across the across europe having someone to go to there i think is really really interesting to get background yeah that that's that's been huge so far i think we i think we've all benefited from that that you know you mentioned the whatsapp group before and there's a real kind of pooling of of resources and help um and you know suddenly you're part of a network of kind of 50 50 odd reporters spread you know all over the country and all over parts of europe um who, who are well connected with a you know a huge amount of of you know current former players current chairman ex-chairman owners um and that is a as a real help i mean you know, I think people coming at it from different angles as well. And there was a great piece um, that I read earlier on this week from Rafa Honigstein on on Sadio Mane's yeah. uh, early years and 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 the kind of the, the the kind of the impact that his time at Salzburg had on him and how it shaped him as a as a man and as a player. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, it's been you know it's been really really enjoyable to be part of so far. I think um, you know I think it'll be good for journalism in general actually if it um if it proves to be a, a, a big success because you know i think i think there's you know, you know there's been a lot of great feedback so far um and i think you know because i think people appreciate one the fact that it's actually a really enjoyable experience you know i, f- I find myself you know going from one article to the other and to another one and to another one because you're not bombarded with adverts and surveys and pop-ups and all the rest of it um and then the, the the quality I think shines through. I think you can really see the fact that that people are given 
the, the time and space to, to do things properly. Uh, excellent stuff. Listen, it's also going to be useful for us at the Anfield Wrap. We are going to be adding to things like our Coach Home Show, our Friday Show, this weekend a show. Uh, we're going to be adding bits and pieces, European show, uh, back uh, for subscribers. If you don't subscribe, as I say, this free show as well, uh, going to be looking at speaking to people on a regular basis there and finding out what's going on uh, and being able to get stories behind stories. If we see something that we just like the look of, let us know, by the way, if there's something that you like the look of and you'd like to find out a little bit more about. We're not backwards about coming forward at the Anfield app and James just said he'll give me his contact book which is marvellous news <laughs> uh, so yes all in good shape uh, it's a sign up to The Athletic it is theathletic.com forward slash no, sorry theathletic.co.uk forward slash the Anfield rap uh, if you want to sign up through us and there's reductions on there and all of that sort of stuff as well but I think the other thing is and the reason why one of the many reasons but a core reason why I'm really pleased to partner with them is that good work's worth paying for uh, we think that at the Anfield app obviously we do we charge for what we do and I always you know one of the things that excites me about The Athletic and why James says it may well be positive uh, in the long run in general for, for journalism is that good work well presented is very much worth paying for it is the Anfield Wrap we are in association with The Athletic and we are proud to be so and it is John Gibbons and I'm now delighted to be joined on the phone uh, by Danny Hunt from Lady Chon um, Danny nice to talk to you Hello there. All right <laughs> um, we're here to um, talk about well, a, few, a few things really um, but first of all the album came out this year. It's his sixth album, first one for for eight years. Was it always sort of intended to, to be that longer wait? Yeah, not really, because we, we've done like five albums in in like exactly ten years, and then obviously tours in between. And so we knew we were going to have a break. And then um, I don't know. We thought maybe take two years off or three years off, and um, and then just life <laughs> um, crept in. And as it does, and you know, we were moving all over the world and was having kids and whatever. And then, um, but for us, it was only about four years of break because we started we started doing stuff again in 2016. Just we didn't tell anyone about it, so it looks longer from the outside than it does to us. But yeah, it is a long time. But you must be pleased with with how well the albums received, um, sort of to come back. I mean, it's nice that people still still know who you are. I suppose after having kind of that time away, but also the album had really good reviews and it kind of sold well. And yeah, the singles have done well as well. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously at the beginning it was it was you know sort of trepidation. We were, you know when we made the first announcement, we we, we, we released the first track. The uh, the animals, which you play on, don't you, though? Yes, I do, yeah. But I wasn't going to bring it up. So, you know, obviously we didn't know how, how people would react. We didn't know whether anyone, you know, uh, remembered us or whatever, but they did. And, um, no, it's, it's gone really well. We're really happy with, with how the the album's been received. Not just, you know, oh, it's got some, had some nice things written about it. it for me, it's when people actually understand where it fits in and, you know, sort of appreciate it a bit more deeply. That like, if I see a review like that, it's obviously, you know, means means more to us than just, you know, they've done it again. It's another hit. But yeah. no, it's gone down well. Then, yeah, well, I'm very happy with it. Um. I'm going to talk to, we're going to talk about a little bit about, about sort of live shows. You've got quite a few live shows coming up over in October. I've noticed uh, you're doing sort of USA and Canada as well. It's, it's all worth pointing out, really, that the, the Lady Tron, you, you're a Liverpool band and a, and a Liverpool sort of kind of success story, but it's always felt to me like you're very international in terms of, and, and I think Liverpool bands can sometimes 
you know, be, be kind of Liverpool first, and then and then if you do elsewhere, it was great. Whereas for you guys, it's 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 been sort of pretty international from day one, hasn't it? We went kind of outside first, to be honest. But that was, you know, um, at the time, there wasn't really a lot. There wasn't really a lot. Um, there wasn't much of a place for us in Liverpool at that point, late late nineties. Um, you know, you know, places to play and whatever. But but also, we'd seen loads of bands, really good bands in Liverpool. Yeah completely focus on the city first and then run out of steam and we we just thought that like strategically it was better oh let's just you know what someone's going to pay us you know easy jet first to go and play in spain or something like that and you know we'll just go and we'll, we'll go and do gigs like this um and sort of um you know you break our teeth a bit like that, you know, rather than just playing playing the same venue every every month or something at home. So, I mean, but then again, there's, I mean, now, there's, I mean, the last 15 years, there's way more infrastructure, there's way more places to play, there's just way more, um, you know, way more to do in town that if, if a band like us appeared now, they'd have no problem fitting in and they'd have no problem playing anywhere. But um, no, it was interesting. You know, we were just going off like, oh, do you want, you know, do you want to come to Berlin and play? You know, it's about 2000. It's like the first gig we did. We didn't have any money. Um, they put us on, put us on Ryanair. You know, and and we turned up in the venue with like a, an abandoned bank, okay. you know, without a stage or a PA. <laughs> and um, so we did loads of gigs like that. Another one was like. We, you know, we went to play in Paris, and we showed up in the venue with a bowling alley inside a, a metro station, <laughs> and uh, so that was fun. Yeah, uh, but but now we we we're, we're living all over. You know, like uh, you know, at the beginning, most of the band were living in Liverpool, um, and then one by one, we kind of moved away. And now I, I'm in like I'm in Brazil. Ruben is in in Chicago. Helen's back up in Scotland, and Mir is in London, but. You know, we come back all the time. It's still home. So, you, do you still feel like a Liverpool band, kind of at heart, if you like? I always, yeah. If someone asks us, I always say it. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I don't. We, I think there were certain circumstances that enabled us to form in Liverpool that might have not been possible elsewhere. Especially like in the, at that time, anyone was doing stuff like us, they'd go straight to London, you know, like like Dick Whitney's and whatever, and then just get lost in in this sea of of uh, people trying to do the same thing. Yeah. But it was whereas for us, we showed up and we weren't because we weren't the type of band that was supposed to come from Liverpool at that time, even though Liverpool's got all this history, you know, you know, because people weren't weren't um, aware of that. Um, it gave us a bit more of an element of surprise. I mean, we're still a Liverpool band. I'm actually drinking a nice cup of tea out of a mug now with a picture an illustration of michael owen on it <laughs> so there you go taking a taking a little bit out, out of brazil with you um so i mean you could still do a job for us you know <laughs> i mean he'd probably say the same thing um I want to talk a little bit about the about the new single as well, um, Dead Zone. We've had it sort of blasting in the office this morning. It's an absolute banger. Um, the video as well, it's, I mean, to call it a music video sort of feels like you're, you're talking it down, really. It's almost like a kind of a mini film in terms of, you know, you know what it does. I mean, at, at a time when people aren't spending much on, on music videos, you seem to have gone the other way. Well, this is the thing. I mean, we, we, 
we've had like some nice videos in the past, interesting videos in the past. Um, but they were music videos. There was always a stipulation, you know. Obviously, there was more money being spent in those days, and the label go, yeah, yeah, I really like this idea. It's really creative. But can we have the band just lined up playing somewhere in it? Yeah. And uh, and for us, it was always a cop out. We wanted to, you know, we didn't want to appear as a band in videos, but we were always forced to. So now we're basically, you know, making it up as we go along, and when no one's really telling us what to do, we thought we could use these use these little mini films to kind of you know, like create a sort of visual universe around the album um so it, it's just far more rewarding for us uh to do it this way and um i just think it's you know obviously there's times when the band should appear and times where they shouldn't but i just you know we don't think it should be essential we think that, that sometimes um you know you can do you can do more with you know, with a, a little film that sits on the track, and, and and something's generated by the by the two things together that wasn't there before, rather than just a, a video with a performance or whatever. And you mentioned you mentioned sort of at, at the top about about reviews and about how they kind of recognise your your sort of place in the world, if you like. And you know, it's 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 interesting times at the moment, isn't there? And I know you, you, you talk a lot kind of yourself about, about things that are going on in, on in Brazil and, and the political situation there. I'm sure you're following with interest what's going on here at the moment. And, and obviously you're not too far, you know, you're touring America at the moment as well. And how does that kind of, you know, seep into your music really? And how do you kind of, you know, keep it from, from just kind of like taking over your life, but, but also kind of, you know, influencing your art? I think it's like when, because when we were putting this record together, it was more of that time. Uh, I mean, you know, we've all we've all kind of gone past the stage of of, of, of acceptance that we're fucked, you know. So, but when we were putting the album together, we were still in the kind of foreboding stage, and so in a sense, like putting together the record was a bit of an escape. Because I mean, I would. I, you know, I, I saw what was coming in Brazil a mile off. And, um, you know, sometimes if you feel like you're the only person saying it, you're like the fool on the hill or whatever. But yeah. It was, it was obvious what was coming. Um, and then, to be honest, looking at what happened here, it made me understand what was happening in, in Britain far more. Um, there's a very similar game going on. It's just, uh, it's, you know, it's got different, you know, surface characteristics. But, I mean, the record is—it's got that kind of—it's got a sense of um, disquiet about it, but it's not like um, it's not a overtly political record. It's not a nihilistic record or anything like that. It's just as influenced as anyone would be creating anything by um, by those circumstances around them. So um, it shouldn't be read into too literally, but it's. You know, there's something in it, in it that maybe wasn't in previous records for the month. Yeah. Okay, so uh, just a little bit on the tour before before we let you go, Danny. Um, you're in North America first, so second of October, New York, then to Boston, then to Montreal, then Toronto, and then you do come over to the UK. Um, you've got some shows in Edinburgh, uh, Manchester, two Ritz, and then in uh, London on the 24th in Heaven. The Manchester one's interesting because it's a day of Man United away. Um, so that uh, oh, yeah. it could could be brilliant. <laughs> yeah, immaculately planned. <laughs> I didn't realise that until about a week ago. So um, 
So it's, that'll be interesting. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, hotel finding a hotel certainly interesting. <laughs> um, but, it, but it could be a good a good scouse day out for people if they want to sort of get over and uh, you know hopefully well, watch yeah, the right to yeah, win yeah, and then, I, and then yeah. bounce down the gig well exactly yeah we're, we're the official um, we're the official after show <laughs> we've actually done well, no we've done that before but on the day of the I was gutted because I couldn't go to, to Madrid for the final I went to Kiev I went to Istanbul and everything else um, but we were playing, and in, in, I, I didn't realise that the, the game was going to be like a week later. We were playing in Moscow the day of the, day of the final, so there was, there was no way out of it. Um, and because of the time difference, we were scheduled to go, like it, the gig would have clashed with the with the game. Right. So, you know, months, months beforehand, before we even qualified, I asked um, the promoters, is there any way we could make an early, early start? And they were like, you know, just in case. You know, we'll get to the final. We're like, oh yeah, no problem. We'll we'll figure it out. They ended up showing the game on like this huge, like twenty foot high screen behind the stage, and there was something like five minutes between us leaving the stage and kickoff. Wow! <laughs> so uh, we had like like this balcony laid out for us with you know drinks and food and whatever. So it was sound, yeah. That's amazing. And we went to start like, Red after. <laughs> That's really cool. What, what I mean, what a support act. Um, the, the actual Reds. Uh, yeah, it's exactly. Good. <laughs> so um, yeah there's just just a few more gigs I want to mention as well uh, coming up because I know uh, a lot of our listeners are from over in the States so you've got and this is into December now you've got Chicago Seattle Portland and uh, Berkeley in California that's taking you up to the 14th of December then I'm sure you'll have a, a nice Christmas I mean just just before we finish you still like playing live Danny I presume it's nice just to all get together yeah I mean we've, 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 you know we've been ages since we've played you know last year we did like the end of 2011 and it was, you know, with boss came back, to be honest, it was, um, I mean, we take it a bit easier now, we do like a couple of minutes, like three shows, four shows in a row, you know, like back in the day, we'd go out for like six months and, and not be seen and, you know, come back with, with dreadlocks and beards and <laughs> whatever. Um, but, no, we, you know, we go out and, and take it easy and basically look after ourselves a bit more. Uh, <laughs> all that boring stuff about being old um yeah no, <laughs> thanks a lot to danny for coming on and uh, do try and get to one of those shows if you are around i'm going to try my best to get to the manchester one but obviously there's loads over in the states if you're there as well uh if you're not around but i would really recommend uh the new lady tron album it's, it's self-titled it's the sixth one especially the new single and do check out the video it's absolutely brilliant but uh thanks a lot danny nice to speak to you and hopefully i'll see you next month yeah, cheers, cheers, folks. Thanks a lot. And it's John Gibbons now for the weekend. And I'm here to talk about Last Fan Standing. Last Fan Standing, you might have heard us mention a couple of times already. It's a new app, a quiz that you play on your phone. You play against other Liverpool fans. And it's all testing your LFC knowledge. So I've been getting involved a little bit. Also, myself and Neil are actually doing the quizzes on Friday. So we're doing um, a quiz. Looking forward to the, the Leicester City game on Friday. And then we're doing the predictor quiz on Saturday as well, where you can win £100. So if you want to see what me Neil alike as a as quiz show hosts uh, download the Last Fan Standing uh, app it's just at lastfanstanding.app and download that and start playing it's good fun and to demonstrate or to give me a bit of a practice if you like I'm kindly joined uh, now on the phone by Darren Morrish and uh, Darren you are the, our first ever player um, thanks very much <laughs> 
No, no problem. So, <laughs> not as worried as I am, I'm going to make a mess of this. So basically what happens is on Last Fan Standing is every night there's a quiz at 7pm, uh, there's eight questions and if you get to the end, get to eight and get them all right, you are the Last Fan Standing and then you win a token to play in the cash game, um, which is at the weekend, which is well, this, this week on Saturday, but it's basically based around the game, so it's three hours before the Liverpool kickoff. So this was one of the quizzes last week, Darren. Um, it's all about, I asked them to send me one and they've sent one that's hard, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I don't so um so this this could be could be could be a very short feature this week darren but um but every, everyone who plays gets a bit of merch anyway so we'll send you the t-shirt so 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 that, that that can't be bad but you'll also go into the leaderboard we're going to do a bit of a leaderboard but we'll see so basically uh darren all these questions are based on our champions league group stage last season so 2018 last season think back to last year just the group stage so all these questions are based on that okay Okay, yeah. <laughs> you sound pensive. It'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> I, I said don't make it difficult. Uh, well, I, 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 they, they've, said, they've sent their quiz through and it was a difficult one. But anyway, the first one's not too bad. So last season, the Reds began their group phase matches against Paris Saint-Germain. Was this match at Anfield, yes or no? Sorry, say that again. So uh, the group stage last season, the very first game was against PSG. Was it at Anfield? Anfield. Or, it was, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so you got one. So, yeah, so it was, it was 3-2, wasn't it? Bobby Firmino scored late um, and we got off and running. So we're on one, okay? Uh, the next one. Which PSG player scored their first goal in the 40th minute? Was it Neymar? No, sorry. Hang on. <laughs> He's not an option. Uh, you got the second one. So which one got the first one? Was it Neymar, Silva, or Thomas Moyne? Moyne. Neymar. It was not. It was Thomas Moynihan. So you got one, mate. <laughs> Do you know what? I can't. I don't know how you meant to I'm remember. On the board. <laughs> you are on the leaderboard. You are on the leaderboard. I mean, it's it's a tough one. Well, we'll carry on because we've got you on. Uh, we'll do, we'll do a few more, but you've already got one. But we will carry on because um, people will want to play. So if you're if you're still going at home, then then feel free to carry on. Um, the Reds' next game was a defeat at Napoli's San Paolo Stadium. Who scored their winning goal? Was it Koulibaly, Hamsik, or Insigne? It was, that's correct. Um, so we'll carry on. Did Naby Keita start the match against Anfield, against Napoli, sorry, yes or no? Uh, yes. He did, correct. Um, so you're on a bit of a roll now. We'll just forget about that second one. Um, I don't know how you meant to remember whether Naby Keita started a match 12 months ago, but anyway, they're not normally as hard as this. Um, the Reds won their next fixture against Red Star Belgrade. Who scored twice in the 4-0 victory? Was it Sadio Mane or Mo Salah? Mo Salah. It was Mo Salah. We'll keep going. The Reds lost the away match against Red Star Belgrade 2-0. Who scored both their goals? Was it Marco Marin, Dusan Jonovic or Milan Pavkov? That's tough to say on hangover. The first one. Ah, no, it wasn't. It was Milan Pavkov. Um, We'll stop it there, mate. I think you redeemed yourself. And you oh. and and your answers were much better than my um, my my pronunciations of, um, of of foreign players. So uh, so so I think I think you're the clear with it. You are on the leaderboard now with with the mighty one. Uh, we'll make a note of that. And hey, you might be in the final at the end of the season. Who knows? <laughs> punch punch in the air. <laughs> Just while you're on, what did you what did you make of the game last night? Did you go or did you watch it on telly? I, I sat at home, watched it on telly. I thought we were good for half an hour or so, and then the nervousness kicked in again. 
Yeah, we got there in the end. We did get there in the end, indeed. Well, obviously, there's loads more analysis of this game um, on the weekend, so I will get back to Neil. But do down- download the app. It's lastfanstanding.app. Um, so lastfanstanding.app. As I say, me and Neil are the quiz masters on Friday night's game at 7 p.m. and then also on the predictor game on Saturday, which you can play from midday, which is all about. Um, what do you think will happen in, in that in that game against Leicester? And you can win cash prizes, but in the meantime, thanks a lot to Darren and back to Neil. Yep, it's Andy Heaton uh, for this section of the weekend. Uh, and I'm delighted to be joined by uh, John from Cotmania. And we're here to talk about an event that you've got coming up with Jamie Webster and Jamie Carragher. That's right, Andy, yeah. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about it? It's, it's, it's Saturday the 9th of November and we're connect next month. And um, we're having a bit of a party at the, uh, the old the old Barca bar. And the old correct. Barcelona, yeah, yeah t- taking it back there. Yeah, no, that's correct. We're gonna have a, a huge party for Liverpool fans. We've got um, we've got Jamie Carragher on stage. He'll he'll talk about the current uh, team and how well we're doing, and a bit more about Madrid from last season. But also letting you know of some of his memorable moments from certainly back in two thousand and one and two thousand and five. Uh, and then we're finishing the evening with with, with the wonderful Jamie Webster. So get the crowd going. It's going to be a little bit. We've just been talking about it's going to be a little bit more than just a straight Q and A. It's going to be more like a like a party atmosphere, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. Saying? I mean, we obviously we're rich in history with Liverpool, but it's a European royalty party. We're going to continue it on. Uh, but getting in and amongst the fans, um, getting some new material out to them from Jamie, some unseen stuff. So it's going to be a real, real fantastic evening of of enjoyment for everybody, and and, and kids can come as well. That's the beauty of the the venue. Families can come um, and and meet Jamie if if they wish as well on the evening. I mean, because we all know, I mean, with the explosion of boss nights and some of the stuff we do, there's a massive appetite for all this kind of stuff. I mean, what? what what may, I mean, you mentioned the family thing, which is interesting. Is that what makes a difference, or is it is it is it an entirely different, entirely different proposition? Yeah, no. I mean, we, we, we're huge. With, with, we understand that the new generation of fans are a lot of kids. Um, I mean, I was a kid growing up. All I wanted to do was go and watch Liverpool, and we didn't get the opportunity to do anything like this as a kid, where we could go and meet meet the players or or join in with the parties. So this is going to be uh, something that I'm keen to to, to move on really and, and get get younger kids able to come to the shows because as you say a lot of our venues are over 18s but we've got we've managed to get special uh, dispensation for the kids to come along and, and certainly have fun with, with the rest of the adults can you still have a bevy them? yeah yeah but obviously the kids can't well yeah, well, yeah. so when um, Tell me a little bit more about the, the, the structure of the night because we were talking about it before about how, about your thoughts on it and how it's going to go, who's presenting stuff like that. I mean, what, what can people expect is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic venue, rich in history with Liverpool. So they'll come along there, they can relax, get a drink straight away. The first part of our evening is um, available for people who've purchased the meet and greet tickets. So we'll get them in, meet Jamie, have the photograph taken. Um, whilst the other uh, can, you know, standard tickets can Webster come Webster or Carragher? Carragher. Yeah, but Webster's not, not as big as Carragher just yet, but... Uh, or is he just more demanding? <laughs> yeah. More of a diva? <laughs> well, that's it. Rockstar's always short plate, don't they? So Carragher's spot on with his timing. Uh, so then the, there'll be a lot of footage on. There'll be highlights from, from the previous games last season for the standards to, to, to start soaking up the atmosphere. Then we'll get Jamie on stage uh, with a fantastic host in Peter McDowell. Um, who, who gets more out of Jamie than most? Um, so that'll happen for the, for, for the first hour. Then we'll have a break, and then we'll introduce Jamie Webster onto stage to to get the real party going. 
is he um, is he banging out all the classics, Jamie, or is he is he forcing you to do? Is it is it, well, I'll say forcing, it, or is he trying to um, get us some of his new new stuff in there? Well, yeah, we're open to ideas. I mean, we, we we must insist that he that he gets the classics out there. Get which, the bangers out. Yeah, get the big ones out. Your Virgil Van Dykes, your LA, LA, LA. So they'll be happening. Um, and if we can slip one or two of his new material in, um, you know, I'm not expecting any royalties, so we'll let him get them in. The um, so I mean, how's this all come about? Well, it's something that we've been doing, uh, you know, for, for numerous years, but we like to be innovative. And if, if new people are coming on and, and we can work alongside them, like the likes of Jamie Webster, who's, who's creating a, a fantastic name for himself, if we can join that in and add on to, to what our nights are already are, then we can make the experience hotter, you know, even better for the fans. And you, you talk about this event in particular, but this has gone worldwide. Um, just a couple of the couple of ideas you got in the pipeline, especially with, with Jamie Webster. It's you're almost, you're almost taking a little bit of Liverpool on the roads with, the, with, with your, your other projects. Correct, yes. And, and, you know, listen, thousands of people flock into Liverpool when, when there's a home game, but there's many, many millions out there who don't get the opportunity to do so. So if we can take a little bit of the Liverpool experience to them in their backyard, that's what we're, we're, we're hoping to do. And we're, we're certainly doing that with, with Australia already happening um, and then a few other countries in, in the pipeline. So as you said earlier, uh, Peter McDowell, the excellent Peter McDowell is going to be comparing and hosting the evening and uh, running the the, the Q the Q and A with Jamie Carragher. Do you think it's almost? Do you think we're going to get it as nearly as tense as it was on Sky Sports last weekend? <laughs> I don't. A little I don't bit tasty. I, that well, I hope it? not. Yeah, I hope not. No, we, I mean Peter and Jamie have got a fantastic relationship, and um, but Peter still does get a lot more out of the, out of Jamie. That maybe Jamie wants to give away at times, so it's going to be an excellent. It's going to be an excellent evening. Very much no holds barred, then I would imagine. That's it. You know, we don't hold back. There could be a few F's and Jeffs, um, namely from from Jamie. So if the kids are coming, just just mind your ears at times. So I mean, we're talking about the evening. There's the meet and greet. Uh, I mean, I, I just running just through my my own experience. Just can you run through the timers for the night? Because sometimes you say it's doors at six, doors at seven. There's this, there's that. What time? I've especially been at family events. What time did you? What, what's what's the running order going to be like? So the running order for the, the evening is, is is for for the meet and greet to arrive at six pm. Arrive nice and early on time with your tickets. We we'll get you uh, all booked in, get your wristbanded up, and then we'll let you in and, and meet Jamie and uh, have your picture and all that comes with it. The standard people can arrive from six thirty to seven o'clock. We will get them in access to the main room where they can start soaking up the atmosphere, um, and then obviously we will proceed through the evening. Then once the meet and greet's over, we we'll get the get Jamie on stage around about eight o'clock. And what time do you imagine it, it, it's all going to wrap up for? Maybe? It will be no later than eleven o'clock, but depending on on uh, you know if, if Jamie's. Uh, going to give us some more renditions of his own music and the atmosphere is still getting you know what these rock stars are like they try and stay on stage but it will be a prox 10 30 11 p.m finish and it is jamie carragher doing the q a not jamie, and the uh, the meet and greet not jamie webster is that right that's right at the time being yeah jamie um for those of a certain vintage i referred to the venue earlier as the, the barca bar it's now known as something else it's just had a massive refurb can you tell us a little bit about where it is because because i think once people realize where the venue is they'll recognize it yeah, that's it. It's, as you say, it's the old Barcelona, which is now the Grand Central Hall um, in, in Renshaw Street. It's a fantastic building with a huge auditorium. Um, so there's a, there's a huge kind of seating ring uh, around the main stage. So that, that's, that's accessible for the fans. Um, tickets selling well? Tickets are going really well. Really well, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of custom from all over the world. As I said earlier, people are flying in, and uh, not only just to see Liverpool, but actually for this event, we've got people coming in from Malaysia, all over Europe, including Denmark, Sweden, um, and, and Norway, and we've got obviously a, a big, big crowd uh, in and around the UK traveling up for it. 
And you'd expect the, the, the city to be mad busy and, and bustling. Obviously, it's the day before Liverpool face Manchester City at Anfield. So it's an ideal opportunity to, for people coming into the city to get involved. Definitely. I mean, it's always a fantastic pre-match event whenever we, uh, whenever Liverpool have a game on the weekend. So there's no better no better reason to come along to the evening and celebrate with Caris from previous success. And we'll hope that we continue with this season's team in, in, in preparing for the game the night before. Uh, Run us through the ticket details where you can get them from, price, just before Tickets we Tickets are online at uh, copmania.co.uk slash carry. And you've got two ticket options there of, of the meet and greet and the standard show tickets. And you're expecting it to sell out? Oh, without doubt. Yeah, I mean, the shows are immensely popular um, and, it, and it, this will be a sellout. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to come get, getting down there myself, get myself in the mood for Man City. John, thanks for coming in. Um, that's you. been your weekend segment. Um, yeah, get your tickets, get down there. Thank you. Welcome back. I've got Steve, I've got James, I've got Gareth, uh, and we are talking about Leicester. And I'm almost overwhelmed by it, Gareth, at this point. It could prove as tough as United or Tottenham after the international break, possibly even tougher. Um, at the minute, Leicester looked to me like the third in the table. He looked like the third best team in the country. Yeah, they're doing, doing well, aren't they? And Rodgers has got them got them going and got them going well. And, you know, you wondered when Maguire went, if that would have a big impact on them. But, you know, they seem to be coping with that. Um, the one sort of blip, I think, on what we've seen from them so far is obviously that they got Peter Old Trafford. Um, and I think it's interesting that... You know, I said earlier that I was I was looking on Leicester forums and stuff earlier in the day, and they they were talking about on there that they felt Rogers sort of you know changed things because he was going to Old Trafford. You know, had a little tinker because he thought well, we'll do something different because it's a tough place to go or whatever. And obviously, it's not as tough as it once was, um, and maybe overthought it. And I think you know coming to Liverpool, a lot of their fans are saying, well, maybe our best bet is to have a go. And, and you know they've got Vardy there. Vardy's got a, a, a brilliant record against Liverpool as well. And you know we know that those things do count. You know we had certain players that had certain records against certain clubs, and just for whatever reason, it it's a thing. Yeah. And for Vardy, it's it's Liverpool. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he does. Like, does he get too distracted by how good Liverpool are, or does he do what Salzburg did a little bit and, and go, you know what, let's let's go and have a go at them? Um, you know, will he will he? Set, put Madison on the pitch if he's if he's fit to play and, and tell him to go and attack or will he you know put a bit of a destroyer on the pitch and try and stop Liverpool? Be interesting to see what he does, but I think it'll be tough. It'll be tough either way. You know they, they've got impressive players all over the pitch, and I think if you if you look at their squad, if you pull up a, you know their squad and have a read through the players, there's loads of players there that you go, I wouldn't mind him at Liverpool. Yeah, you know he, he wouldn't look out of depth at Liverpool, so we've got to give them every respect. The, the, the position they're in it isn't false. They deserve to be there, and it'll be a tough test. It's it will be a tough test, Steve. It's one where you're looking at them, and it's interesting that they suddenly have got a couple of decisions. It's almost like the, there is strength in depth. What that means is that the manager's got a team to pick. You know, does he or doesn't he? He will go with Indeed. He does he or doesn't he go with Chaldry? If he picks Chaldry, it means that the money be more likely to expect it to scrap. If he picks Priet, I think that's how you pronounce it. Or he even doesn't pick. You know, goes goes with something a little bit different and trusts Tielemans in there on his own, maybe with with with, with, with Indeed. The point is, is that the, it's a manager who's coming with a good side, with a good squad, who's got choices to make, and that. It may work for us, but we know that, for instance, he's going to have subs, he's going to have good players, it's going to be hard. Yeah, he's got choices to make. I wonder how his choices may be influenced by looking at what Salzburg did tactically with the, with the diamond that they went to and whether that's something that will influence him. He's got players, I think he's got enough flexible players that he could he could work something like that and and um, 
uh, and create, a, you know, create something from those players, or whether he just goes, as, as Gareth said, you know, and goes with what what they've been doing, um, what they've what they've had success with. I think with it being with them being where they are, he's bought himself the, the space, I suppose, to um, to to not have to feel that he has to try and do something to to get a result. I think I think he should go with. I think he probably will go with what has worked for them. Um, and what he wants to work for them after the international break, what he wants to work for them when they can start um, putting more wins together. And I think you know, this one, it, it it's a game, and then this is kind of a double-edged sword. But it's a game that, that Leicester can come into relatively, relatively unshackled by by too much expectation because you know top four is is top end of their top end, top top end of their expectations. Everyone else who who who's it fits in that bracket is doing their very best not to finish in the top four, and it's it's given it's given Leicester a little bit of latitude, and I think that will give them enough latitude to to win enough games. Um, and I think our advantage there is that I don't think they'll feel that getting something here is absolutely do or die for them, um, which could go either way. It could free them up, but it could also mean that when when Liverpool go one go two. That they might not might not come at us in, in quite the same way as they were if they were kind of desperate and, uh, and they're they're in a, they're in a pretty nice position at the minute with along with West Ham in, in terms of looking like looking like some version of the future I think whereas the sides that look like different versions of the past um, who, who are trying to who are just sort of flailing around at the moment and they've got they've got things together they've they've got things sort of a, a harmony between what's going on off the pitch on the pitch and. Um, Looks like they're just moving in the right direction, and 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 yeah, I'm so so sort of looking forward to seeing them, but also really, 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 really want us to win the game. So it's hard, it's you know, it's, it's hard to sort of square that circle, I suppose. James, it's one where for Rogers himself, there's obviously we know he's he will be emotionally charged by it. He'll try not to be. Uh, he'll try to take that out of it in a, in a professional way. But he is an emotional character, and it's worth one of the reasons why he was successful and then unsuccessful at Liverpool is because. He, you know, he puts his heart and soul into everything that he does. Yeah, I think it's, he, I think it, it's in Leicester's interest. He tries to take that out as much as possible. But I think he would love nothing more than to not just. I think he'd love to win at Anfield, but I think he'd love to 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 bring a team that puts a performance on that looks like that looks like this is what my football team does. And I think that's something for Liverpool to both watch out for. But it could also work work to our advantage. Yeah, it, it will be interesting to see how he does set them up. Whether whether he does maybe overthink things a little bit and. You know, you think he clearly did tinker with things when they went to Old Trafford, and probably you know ended up regretting it. Um, yeah, it, and I think it probably helps him in a way the fact that he's coming back. Obviously, he waited a long time to come back to Liverpool since since he um, since his reign ended. You know, coming up to four years ago, um, and I think he put, you know he, he's coming back with his stock pretty high in there. I think I think he'll get a decent I think he'll get a decent reception. I don't think there's any reason why he wouldn't because I think. Um, no matter what people thought of him in the end, I think there's an acceptance that he always, you know, he, he, he did his best for the cause. He hasn't said a bad word about Liverpool, you know, since since that relationship ended. Um, and you know, he's, I think he's proved what we all knew at the time. He's an excellent coach. You, know, you speak to any of the players that work with him during his time at Liverpool, and you know, he was a brilliant coach. I think what let him down at times was was his man management um, and and maybe you know a bit naive uh, tactically at times. But he was such a young man when he when he came into Liverpool, you know, 39 years of age. Um, you know, he's clearly a much better manager now than than, than he was than he was then. He's had you know huge success. Um, you know, north of the border. I think he always knew that he'd have to come back to the Premier League to to really, you know, kind of put to bed some of the criticism that he had when he was at Liverpool. And he's now in charge of the third best team in the country. And I, you know, I, I fully expect him to 
to take advantage of the, the big problems that so many of the big clubs in the league have got this season and, and lead Leicester back into that top four. It's interesting, James, how, you know, what we, one of our views of Rodgers is that he plays a certain type of very attractive football. Leicester are where they are this season because they've defended very, very well indeed. They've defended as a team. They've, 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 you know, they've conceded the fewest goals in the country alongside us. You know, it's a bit counterintuitive that, but it, it suggests, again, when you're talking about his own development, he's, he's, he's solved those problems first and he's also got good players along that back line as well that which 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 can't hurt yeah I think you know that was always the the thing that was thrown at him wasn't it at Liverpool that you know his team were great going one way but but couldn't couldn't do the job the other way I think you know he would he would point to I think personnel and certainly at Liverpool you know you think you know they for until Van Dyke came along really Liverpool didn't Solve the, the the you know the big void that was left by Jamie Carragher's um, retirement and you know and, and also just where the club was was at then you know I was looking back today at you know think back to that summer of 2012 and he was given I think it was 20 million pound was his transfer budget when he took over plus whatever he could you know get in sales and then you think back and you know, he was essentially told to to cost cut with you know all the high earners that he was told to get off that wage bill and you know people like Aquilani and Joe Cole and you know Charlie Adam and people like that um and you know, essentially, the club had a policy of of just signing players that were aged twenty four or under that had, you know, big big sell on values. The hope was once he'd, you know, turn those kind of rough diamonds into into polished gems. So it was it was such a different club then compared to the one the one it is now. Um, but yeah, I think he has definitely evolved evolved as a manager. I think. Um, you know, I don't. I don't think it is quite as as gung ho as it as it once was, and um, I think also what we've seen this season from Leicester, similar to 2013-14 with Liverpool, is because he is. You know, his strength is being out on the training ground working with players. The benefit of having a proper full week between games to work with them, which you know, obviously, you know, he was a whisker away from turning Iago Aspas into a Premier League winner. There is. Gareth, from a Liverpool point of view, the manager's changed the shape on the hour mark twice uh, last two games. Do you think you consider doing it from the start? I, I think he said. I know what you mean, and I know, and I know I was do, probably doing it as well. I think I think you know there is a question mark around some of the legs in midfield at, moment, at the moment, and, and Klopp flagged it ages ago. He said you're going to see loads of rotation in midfield. He's had a good go at that, but you know he asked them to do so much work in a in a four three three that. And inevitably, there's a drop off at times, and you know, I think you saw that against Salzburg with Fabinho, as we referenced earlier. And you know, he's, everyone's made up with tactical yellows, but tactical yellows are often the sign of a tired man. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, I, I think he asked them to go one more time. I've got to be honest. I think you know, maybe he wants to look at it, but probably this isn't the game to do it. Um, but longer term, yeah, I think it will start to become a thing. I mean, you know, it's no coincidence that we're seeing it twice now. Um, there's an argument it, it's worked in both times he's gone to it. But in terms of it being something that he goes for from the very start, I think probably not. I think he, he asked them to go again on Saturday. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think, I think it's... <laughs> It feels like a long international break. This as well, when you look at it, um, you know, Liverpool because it's Saturday to, to the to Sunday after, you know, the Sunday after next, isn't it? So it's what 15, 15 days really. Um, it, I think he'd be he'd be really tempted, and I think he would. 
you often talk about, you know, you, you wish, you know, manager kicking himself that he hasn't changed something. He, he may well find he, he would kick himself for changing it if 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 things went awry. Um, I think he'll put his faith in in the lads that he that he backs and he knows. Um, one more time, I think you're right. Um, then obviously he's got massive games on the other side of this that he needs them all on board for as well. He needs a sense of. of a sense of mission, I suppose. A sense that you know everyone's pulling in the same direction, and um, everyone's everyone seems happy. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like there's there's any sort of disharmony. I think that while yeah, it looked like we we we. I don't think I wouldn't put it down to tiredness really. Overall, I think you're right, Fabinho. Um, particularly um, in that moment you're referring to, looked like he was he was labouring. But when you look at the freshness for the goals, it was it was all there really. Um, you know, there's suppose there's different types of tiredness. There's the kind of Dragging yourself around the pitch, or there's just being sharp, and I think mm. Liverpool looks sharp. Even you know, even at three-three, Liverpool looks sharp enough to, to make that chance and take that chance. Um, and that's I think that's what he'll be looking for is is that sort of sharpness and, and speed to to get at Leicester and, and to and to pull them to the sword when Liverpool get the opportunity to, which which might not be as much as, as some people will be expecting. And I think again that'll be a difficult. One of the things I'm worried about is the crowd really as well. In that I think there's still a bit of. Um, there'll be an element to the crowd who, who who maybe are slightly dismissive of Brendan Rodgers and also dismissive of, of Leicester City notwithstanding that they've won the league quite recently with, with quite a few of these players and, and added some really good players in the last couple of seasons as well um, they're a serious football team and, and Liverpool will take them seriously and I think we, we all need to um, Do you think you'll make any changes? I mean I think that Gomez Matip's on the cards one way or another yeah. but I mean beyond that do you think it will be the mid front three back four as you'd expect midfield three Fabinho Henderson Wijnaldum does Milner have a sniff does Oxley yeah. Chamberlain have a sniff does Keita I think he might freshen up a bit I think um, because I I think that has I think Liverpool have looked jaded I think in that in that department I think and also because I think Salzburg you know he, he was probably looking at it at 3-0 and thinking you know this. You know this. This is just what we needed at the weekend. And I think fast forward an, an hour and he's going. This is exactly what we didn't really need ahead of uh, ahead of Leicester. Um, so I, yeah, I think he might be tempted to, to. I think. I think. I just wonder whether he might. He might think that, especially with the impact Milner then had on the game the other night. Um, I think he's a good option. And then Oxley Chamberlain. I think he he seems to be ahead of Cater at the moment in in terms of. I think just in terms of sharpness and rhythm and. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't. I think I think that that'll be the main decisions for him. And then obviously, yeah, Matip. I think if he's fit, then clearly he comes back in. Although I must admit, I got. I think Gomez was was harshly done in terms of some of the the post match analysis I saw, just because you know I actually I actually thought he did a lot of really good things during the game. I think you know, at times his positional play let him down, but you know he hadn't. You know you take away the League Cup game and he hadn't started a. You know, certainly in the Premier League, what since Norwich on the opening night of the yeah. season. So, um, and you know that people, I think people are, are quick to forget as well that he's uh, he's 22 years old, which in in centre back terms is still incredibly young. It's really hard to be a fringe player in this in this side at the minute, isn't it? Because you are getting those snatches of chances to, you know, Oxley Chamberlain. People are there's almost people going, oh, he's not the same player he was before the. It's, how can you tell? You know, it's, <laughs> it's, he's, he's not getting. He's, he's probably had more chance than some of them to, to to play, but nowhere near what you would need to get back to sort of real match fitness. And notwithstanding that, he's had some good performances as well. Um, you know, Kaita. I don't know. Maybe there's just a little bit of. A, he's, he's not a very hunchy manager. But if there was a bit of a hunch, then Kaita might be the one that you just go. He really does add energy and and so something different. Um, that Liverpool, if he feels like that, if he's worried that they might be, we might be a little bit flat, 
Um, it's not on TV. There's a little bit of a maybe slightly little bit less pressure around that kind of thing, um, which I made up. It's not on TV. We just get to watch it ourselves. It's good. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why that's in my head. He, play, he plays the game last season, doesn't he? He does. He should, should have a penalty, but I think um, he struggles a little he bit. Struggles, as well, he struggles. He plays in front three, doesn't he? In that. I think so. He's close to it. Yeah, does he? It's right, very yeah. attacking. It's very attacking. Almost like a four, maybe. Um, yeah, he, he struggles. But then, as Rob Gutman reminds me, he, he should have he should have had a penalty on on like sixty or something, doesn't he? Just before he comes off. Um, so you know, he, he can impact the game, and, and it's whether Thurry's just looking for that little something that could lift could lift the side. Um, if, if he's worried about that, that just might be what he goes for. But I think broadly speaking, I'd be amazed if he doesn't just do massive for Gomez. Um, okay, last little thing. Uh, I mean, last year was the other thing to remember about the the, the game last year was that the, the weather was absolutely mad. Uh, it was, it was, not enough was made of it after the game. Really, it was one of the oddest conditions I've ever watched a football match in. When the hailstones were so big, they were getting stuck in my hair, uh, and those lads were playing in it. Uh, I'm worried it might get caught in that in this bloody hurricane uh, that's coming as well this time. As it could be mad. How'd you say it going? Yeah, in that game as well, it wasn't that the one where we only cleaned the ice off one bit of the pitch as well, and uh, and everyone went a bit mad about it. Yeah, yeah. piece in the uh, piece in the press this week, by the way, about Ferguson growing different parts of the grass. Different Don't have to tell me, mate. I'm on grass watch all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might have seen it, but yeah. I'm just, just just for the listeners, you know yeah. what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just saying, if you want to tell them city weirdos who went it's, mad about that idea, it's almost <laughs> like managers will set up the pitch conditions to suit their team. <laughs> Who'd have guessed it? Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? Um, I mean, yeah. In terms of the, this time around obviously we don't for better weather uh, I quite like the idea at 3 o'clock as well I've got to be honest and I, I kind of think that you know there's no excuses around this one I mean Steve said you know you'll get some people who I think he put it more nicely than this but will be fucking weirdos about about Rogers because um, some of the theories that still go around about him are absolutely wild about you know oh, oh, if it wasn't for Suarez and all this even though Suarez literally said as a manager he got he got more out of me quite clearly um, and then you know the there's all the other players that, that he got stuff out of, you know, like Flanagan's dropped off the earth, but but there's 10, 12 games that in, in that season where Rodgers got something out of him. You know, he's obviously a good manager, and just because he came across as a salesman stroke politician at times, is what he said in the press, doesn't doesn't detract from that. And I, I hope there's a really good welcome for him, I really do. I think there will be. And then I think what we should do is, you know, give him the welcome and then boo Leicester, you know, back our side. Um, hope they hope we absolutely destroy them. You know that kind of thing. Like let's be old school. <laughs> let, let's be let's be old school Liverpool about this. You know what I mean? Let's show a bit of class and then let's get stuck into them. Uh, that that's what I want to see. And I, I think as well, like you know, in in a perverse way, what happened against Salzburg, it I think might be kind of good for us because it allows Klopp to get stuck into the side a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know. James referenced the stuff he was coming out with in his press conference and one of the things I thought was good was where he was saying about they've learned a lesson tonight but it's good to learn a lesson and still win um, and so that says to you that's a nice way of saying they did loads of stuff I didn't want them to do there and when I get them back at Melwood I'm, I'm fucking getting into them <laughs> I'm going to tell them yeah. in no emphatic no uncertain yeah. terms um, give me a prediction you're going to do it we're going to beat them 2-0 to Liverpool 2-0 Liverpool Steve 2-1 2-1 two, one. Two, one. 
2-1 yeah 2-1 Liverpool 2-1 Liverpool excellent stuff uh, listen you should never get ahead of yourself but if Liverpool beat Leicester it is almost certainly the case that when Manchester City come to Anfield in November I'm going to bore you senseless about this when Manchester City come to Anfield in November Liverpool will be level or ahead of them on points that's what this is all about positioning ourselves thank you very much to everyone who's contributed to the show today it's been a big fantastic great show well and everyone uh, loads of different things happening tell your friends about the weekend and we're not messing about here it's the best thing before the weekend starts before your Liverpool action kicks in take it easy have a good one. Sports Social Podcast Network.